Welcome back to Looking Over Life. It's good to be back with James this morning and with uh, a guest again. James and I recently, we've talked about, well, not recently, maybe, (laughs) over the last year anyway, we've talked about some conversations where afterwards we ask each other, was this a conversation we should even have had because it touched on some areas that we didn't really feel like we were qualified to talk Mm -hmm. about. And one of those uh, areas of topics had to do with uh, single people. And so we decided we're going to get on someone who uh, isn't married so can talk about this from a better better experienced angle maybe. So we have Naoma Lee with us this, this time. Hi, Naoma. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. What can you say about yourself? I was trying to figure out the best way to introduce you. You're a good friend of both uh, James and mine, but uh, what else can you tell the people? Well, I guess we worked together for a while. James and I still work at the same place mm-hmm. in different areas, so I don't really see lots of him during the day. But yeah, interaction at work, and then we went to the same church, Sean and I do. When he's around, <laughs> yep. I've been I've been a little uh, uh, what's the word <clears throat> playing hooky from church for quite a while now. <laughs> <laughs> a different church, yeah. <laughs> so the topic for today is about what is the word? I was trying to think singleness, singlehood. Is there a good word to to use here, Naoma? Mm, not one that fits totally mm-hmm. um, the life of a single or living the single life, but not really one word. Yeah. I had one friend tell me that the word unmarried is like the least desirable word. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of does categorize, but most of them do. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It's a little bit unavoidable. So the uh, the point of or the hope of this episode is that Naoma will set James and I straight and <laughs> give the rest of our married and maybe single listeners some tips for how we're supposed to get along, right? <laughs> well, I talked to a few of my friends too to get some of their input. So it hopefully comes from more than just one angle. We have a list of I have a list of questions anyway that I want to give to Naoma and James and try to get all of our perspectives here to gain a better understanding and have a good conversation. I think I'm just going to jump right into right into my questions. The first one is is a beefy one and probably will just weave all the way through this conversation. My question to you, Naoma, is what are some of the challenges that single folks have that their married friends don't? I was thinking about the fact that so many singles, when they're on the younger end of the spectrum, especially girls, I would say, tend to think of their life as the unmarried portion and the married portion and kind of assume that they will get married and don't always just jump into life. Mm. Maybe just holding back on figuring out what they want to do with their life itself 
some just really want to be moms and that's perfectly normal but it doesn't always happen and so to have another life goal seems to be really important for us to not feel like we're maybe loose ended mhm mhm and to be able to figure out what that is on your own because we as women tend to um by nature by god lean on someone else to help us maybe not all women are that way but by and large we do tend to to like input in our lives and to make a decision like that is can take a little extra time is it is it tough at all in 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 our setting we're in a conservative christian setting and so there's an expectation that women married women are the keepers at home and so you're saying a lot of friends that that you know they're waiting for that married part of their life to happen and so then is it is it part of that that they don't want to try to get into a big career or something like that because they want to be available maybe i feel so i maybe i'm wrong and maybe there'll be some feedback on this that maybe i'm incorrect but it feels to me like sometimes waiting around doing more of a menial job and maybe and i'm not saying that school teaching is is um a menial job but is one that is lower spectrum as far as wages um perhaps mhm doing things that come to hand rather than focusing on you know what could my life be used for by god if i would focus on a certain aspect of things that i enjoy doing and i think a lot of the school teachers that we have today are are doing it using their god-given capacity for children in a, a beneficial way if they don't have children of their mm-hmm. own it's also a good thing yeah and you know i think those are some good some definitely some good points especially for young ladies i guess obviously that's where you're coming from sean has mentioned before in the podcast that i was single for a lot longer than he was i didn't get married till i was about 30 and so i was single through all of my 20s and i'm not sure how i would answer that question what are the challenges singles have depends on what part of of your life situation you're coming from i think that possibly James you had quite a bit of teaching under your belt before you got married mhm and maybe possibly that was something that was a life goal for you anyway so it didn't feel like it was just sort of putting in time yeah before marriage for you yeah i would or did it no it didn't i wouldn't say that it did um i mean the, the, there were some young ladies that i asked if they'd be willing to date me back when I was in my early 20s and it just didn't work out but I was teaching at that point and so yeah I didn't yeah it wasn't necessarily I definitely wasn't looking at teaching as something to do until I got married <laughs> it was um mm-hmm. it was something that I somewhat ended up kind of falling into although I've I've now realized later I think it was probably God's direction um although at the time I was just kind of like a door was opening. And so I was just kind of following that. Yeah. I would say it was very different than what you're kind of describing as far as young ladies kind of, kind of in a holding pattern, (laughs) waiting for the, waiting for their man to come along and sweep them off their feet. I was just kind of working. And in a certain point, I would say probably in my mid twenties, 
after I'd, I'd tried a time or two and didn't work out, I was in a relatively small youth group and for various reasons, I just didn't really, my circle of acquaintances wasn't that far outside of the valley and and I wasn't beating the bushes necessarily either. And so I kind of just was okay with it, probably in my mid-20s, just okay with being single and teaching and I felt like I had felt like I had something um there that was valuable. Yeah, I don't know, that's kind of a all over the place response, but <laughs> that's kind of my perspective. I wonder if it doesn't make a difference between a a man and a woman in some ways. And not all women um are in a holding pattern either because some of them do just like you did mm-hmm. where they would simply just fall into what came next, what came naturally, and we're perfectly good with that. Mm-hmm. And God leads that way too, pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. You mentioned right at the beginning, Naoma, about maybe picking a job or or having a job that isn't uh, super financially <laughs> secure or supporting or whatever. How does that, how do those maybe earlier years of, let's say, babysitting jobs and cleaning jobs, maybe even a teaching job, how does that then affect a single who who realizes a little bit later that, okay, this maybe this is going to be my life for, for longer or for even ever, and some of the challenges that they face because of that? Probably at that point is where they would end up thinking a little bit further into the future. And I'm not saying that they've lost any time because I really didn't start working for a whole lot of pay until I came back from Central America when I was 25. Well, that was the first time I was home for a couple of years. And so during that time is when I was actually making much money at all. Mm -hmm. Going straight from school, I was at I worked a little bit before we took off for Central America a couple of months, but yeah, by and large, it was, I was sort of midway through my twenties before I actually got a full-time paying job. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was actually a little bit my experience as well. So I got out of high school and went straight into construction for a couple of years. Then I messed up my knee, started going to college and through that, I started teaching and taught part-time for the next number of years. Well, I mean, off and on and had other part-time jobs. And so it wasn't really until, oh, I'm trying to think here, probably 2013, well, 2014, that I actually had a what you would consider a full-time job after I messed up my knee for the most part. But single people don't need a lot of money, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you're trying to lead somewhere, Sean. <laughs> well, let me see. It seems like they would probably, if they continued being single, that the lady should have a comparable job as far as monetary wages as what a man would have if she's going to be keeping herself alive and well. Although, of course, she wouldn't have the children to spend money on. But she would still have all the big appliances in the house, mm-hmm. a car to pay for. Major life expenses are all on her paycheck, pretty yeah, much. Right, yeah. And there, it's amazing how many things you can find to, to spend money on. 
I was thinking as a single person, you're basically the one that's covering all the bases when it comes to contributing to family things as well. It's not like it's um, the husband out there doing the the money making and the wife going to support a sister or sister or with mm-hmm. babysitting for a day or mom when she needs help canning and that sort of thing. She has to take off of work if she's going to help her siblings or do it after hours and make a long day out of it. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that too. Right. So thinking about that, that dynamic of, of family life or family expectations and the challenges that a single might face, could you talk about that a little bit? I'm thinking things down the line of you mentioned um, babysitting for a married sister or you talked about taking care of a mom. I right away, something that comes to mind when I think about my friends who are single and have older parents is that their their older parents have doctor's appointments and who does that often fall on? Right. I have uh, various friends who are either living with their elderly parents or living close by and helping to support. It feels like quite often if it doesn't suit well for the parent or parents to live right with a married family, I think the Amish tend to do that a little bit more. Uh, they would have like a dotty house or a place beside them that they that the parents would live in. But mm-hmm. if there's a single person that is available, quite often they would either stop their job or work part time and actually move in with mom and dad. Uh-huh. Often, of course, they would end up being the caretaker uh, to some degree as the parents get older and doctor visits, that sort of thing. Well, you're the person that knows how they're doing. You should go along. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And then, you know, there's more time taken out of the day because that could take a half a day or more. And the family does have their schedule, too. I mean, I understand that. But um, there's also some friends of mine that have family members who are very quick to jump in and and say, hey, well, you went last time. Tell me what's going on, and and I'll take Dad this time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a very supportive role that married siblings can can help. And and maybe I'll just go ahead and mention the the thing of lawn care. Um, maybe the single person around the home does enjoy that kind of thing, but weed eating or helping to do flower beds, even though they enjoy it, it's just nice to have someone else to to come alongside and help do that, especially if they would happen to have their own place to handle as well. Yeah. That was going to be my question. You know, is I just imagine there's, there's some single who is having a lot of this responsibility dumped on them. What, so you, you kind of gave some, some ideas there. I mean, how else would you maybe recommend that they deal with some of those frustrations or how can they maybe communicate with their married siblings? Hey, uh, I could use some help here. I guess just open communication would be uh, one way. Yeah, and I was thinking that if the family members are very quick to to catch the hints, because I think it's difficult for any of us to ask for help. <laughs> and, you know, we are managing. It's not like I can't. I can't do both jobs. 
taking care of my place and and my dad's house, if you want to use that as an example. But it's also really nice when I don't have to just always outright ask and family members would jump in and say, hey, we have a little time this afternoon. Um, maybe we'll just come over and help do something. What can, what can we help you do today? You talked about some of your other friends that you got some advice from for this episode. Do any of them have something more like um, more like a schedule that takes care of some of these things? Like this month is 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 your turn to help with the parents, uh, or this month is your turn to do uh, some of these uh, like house maintenance stuff or anything like that, or is it more just as life happens? I think it goes both ways depending on how many siblings there are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if there's quite a few siblings and some of them live a little bit further away, that it's good to have a schedule where the ones that are living further away can know and plan it into their lives as to when they're going to come be with mom for a while. And then, of course, there is the times when there's more siblings living in the same area close by. And then, yeah, they schedule out the appointments and say, I'm available for this one and that one. And or maybe this week they're the backup person Mm -hmm. and the next week the other sibling is a backup person. Or if the single person is working part time, they have a rotation system where the uh, the married siblings cover certain days so that that can work as well. Sure. You mentioned about supportive roles that, you know, a married sibling can can help support their their single sibling. But I ask you, this is in a conversation you and I had, Naoma, earlier, but I wondered if you had some thoughts you could share about what support does a single person need, uh, community they need around them or whatever, in order to maybe deal with some of this stuff or some of the frustrations or challenges or even getting advice or questions answered. Is it okay if I give a real-life scenario? Oh, for sure. (laughs) I remember back when my mom had cancer, there was a deacon in the church that um, in the last week of my mom's life, they basically had a sign-up sheet for all of the nurses that we had in the community, which happened to be quite a few. And they had each one sign up for an eight-hour or four-hour or whatever section that they could sign up for. And they would be on call. And if I had questions about meds or if I needed someone to come over and give me some advice or if I needed um, a little extra help with transfer or whatever, um, I could call on one of my nursing friends to to come by. Mm -hmm. And besides that, they had quite a few people that were even bringing in food. We could have gotten more than what we needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that kind of support of the church family is invaluable. And I think there's also churches that have systems set up for, we'll say Sunday lunch or for um, a time during the week where they would invite a school teacher over and maybe they should cast in their mind for some single persons in their church that Mm -hmm. would probably be lonely during the week. They could invite that person over along with the school teacher. Right, right. I think they just have to look for ways to include 
the single person that doesn't have a family. And where I grew up, there was quite a number of, of um, single people I moved into the area for jobs. And quite a number of people I know did really good job just including a single person into their family. Mm-hmm. You know, you need someone to, to call on, say you're in your 40s or 50s in uh, your car that you've had for a while is on the blink. Most of us as ladies would just feel a whole lot better if we had some man we could call on and say, look, I need a new car. Um, where do I, how do I go about this? Um, can you come look at this one that I found online? Or it seems like there's always different things or even maybe your air conditioner's on the blink. Who's a good person that I call on to come help me to get it fixed? Water in the basement, any of those situations. Yeah. So there should be, it should fall to one of the, one of the fellows in the church to take the initiative to say, Hey, if anything like this ever comes up, you can call us and, and we'll, we'll be glad to give advice or, or find a time that works to go look at a car with you or, or whatever. So that the, the single person, like you mentioned earlier, it's, it's tough to ask for help, but if there's an open invitation, it makes it. It removes some of that friction. Yeah, and I think some of the time, even if someone says, hey, I'm available, maybe the single person will feel just a little bit like, were they for real? You're and right. <laughs> most of us would feel that way in any situation, not just a single person that's asking for help. Sure. I, I wonder if maybe the, the, the basis of the whole thing needs to be rooted in friendship, that you have someone a family or various families that you're close enough to that you just simply feel like it's almost like a big brother that you can go and ask questions and, and get feedback from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of what I'm hearing is that we as married people need to need to not let the single folks kind of fade into the background. And uh, we need to intentionally seek them out, invite them over, offer help, that sort of thing. Whether, whether there's somebody that's single that we're related to, or just some other, some single person that's unrelated that we go to church with, just, we need to, to recognize they're, they're just as much part of the community as us and our spouse. And I think some churches do excellent at that. And you just feel integrated and part of the family. You can talk to anyone doesn't matter where you sit in a church service, you can find someone to talk to. And other churches, I think they feel a little bit like they're maybe sidelined. Mm-hmm. I had a question beyond that, Nilma, which is, are there support groups or places or communities that single folks themselves have, resources that you know about that may, may be good ideas for some of the people listening? Yeah, um, I realized that some people would sort of scoff a bit and say, oh, you go to singles retreats and that sort of thing. Well, there are family retreats. There are retreats for people that are with maybe a family member that has some sort of impediment, or there's also seminars for people that are are widowed. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me to make sense that, that you can find support amongst people that that are doing life the same way you're doing life. Mm-hmm. There are also um, nowadays with internet, which you'd have to be careful, of course, but there are different WhatsApp single groups. I have a ladies single group that I'm part of 
you know, just share encouraging words or things about your day or the lovely cup of coffee you had this morning. Mm-hmm. It means you don't always have your single friends right at hand like you do your family. It's important to be able to reach out mm-hmm. and interact with those that, that are kind of like you are. Right. I, I would be interested in knowing if there are more groups of of singles interacting or different ways that we can be supportive of each other. I just know of those couple. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about some of the challenges now, but are there any perks to being single? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always think about the fact that most of us enjoy coffee, and I know that a cup of coffee these days can cost upward of $5, depending on what all add-ins you put in. I think a lot of my single friends would uh, find a cup of coffee in part of their their weekly uh, bill, uh-huh. if you want to put it that way. And I know that you can also make good cups of coffee at home, and I suppose quite a few people are going that route right now with expenses being a little bit higher. But, yeah, coworkers and, and different of my single friends tend to frequent the coffee houses, coffee shops a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And trips. I don't know if we discuss trips anytime at all, but traveling is something that single friends can do together. And with family members, it feels to me like I know in my earlier years, I was encouraged to save up money for the future. And I tried to do that, but maybe not as much as I should have. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes the whole thing of traveling is is something that that is that is a perk that a single person can do. You go somewhere on a small trip and go hang out with some single friends for a weekend, and then there's the thing of maybe, hopefully, if you have a decent enough job, you can travel overseas or South America or somewhere, mm-hmm. um, even just up and watch the uh, the leaves change up and in the New England States, which is something I have not done yet that I would love to do. <laughs> yeah, that was that was something in my about roughly decade. Of course, I don't know when you are considered a single. I mean, is it when you're 18 um, or is it when you're 20 or is it when you're 21? But anyway, so let's say roughly the decade that I was single, that was something that I experienced was just the flexibility to, to pursue different hobbies and... Mm-hmm. Of course, I went on my bike trip uh, north to south across the United States, and that would not have been uh, possible or hardly possible if I would have been married. I would have likely done it again if I hadn't gotten married. And so that's kind of a perk of being single, but there's also perks, obviously, of being married. So it's kind of a it's kind of a trade off. There, there are times that, you know, occasionally I was like, boy, it would really be nice to, to still have the freedom to go where I want to and do what I want to do. But uh, I'm married and have responsibilities, and it's it's not like my responsibilities are onerous. It's just, you know, sometimes you do feel a little bit tied down, but that's not all bad either. Definitely, you can't just up and decide you're going to go on a trip this weekend to <laughs> out west. But Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you do have the, the going home after work and having people there for you. So that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that it's a, that you have a blessing on either hand, and if you're willing to accept whichever place you're at and understand the benefits and look at those instead of the downsides, it makes a big difference in the kind of person Mm -hmm. you are to other people around you. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's, 
I was getting ready to say that there's there's blessings in all situations, and I don't know that I quite want to make that much of a blanket statement because there are some pretty terrible situations, but usually there's there are some blessings in whatever situation you're in, and to focus on those rather than focusing on the negatives can make a huge difference in quality of life, happiness, whatever. Yeah, gratefulness goes a long way. And I think about the Apostle Paul said that it was better to be single. So even we can even find in the Bible that there's some indication that there are perks to being single. In in his perspective, it was you have maybe a better chance to to disciple someone than your friend Susie who has eight children and uh, four of them are in or are toddlers yet it's hard for her maybe it could be harder for her to take time for I'm thinking some about your experience and some of your friends Nam, where mm-hmm. you're able to connect with some of your um, say Pakistani friends that um, need need to know about Jesus and your your married lady friends can't get out and and meet with those those people quite as easily as you would, maybe. I think that's right. Even Paul would have said that, I suppose. At the beginning of the com- at the beginning of this conversation, I ask, "What's the right word to 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 call a single?" And I did that a bit tongue in cheek because I was thinking about this question, the the next question I have, which is, "What are some ways that married folks hurt our single friends?" Maybe without even realizing it, I think sometimes it's the words that we use. Do you have any any specific ideas or examples of how this happens without us realizing it? Well, I don't think we should be overly sensitive uh, because I think often people use words and do not mean any harm by what they say. But mm-hmm. calling someone a spinster is probably one that I wouldn't I wouldn't use. Mm-hmm. Uh, single to me, a single being called a single is not anything that bothers me. Right. I think maybe more than anything, it's the surprise and so, oh, you're single. <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> yes, I think that bothers me more than being called a single. Oh, you're single. You know, it's a tone of voice, maybe more than it is the word itself. Uh-huh. It'd be like me coming up if if uh, I didn't know that James was married and I say, "Are you married?" And he's like, "No, I'm single. Yes, I'm married." And you'd be like, oh, you're married? Wow, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Who is insane enough to put up with you? <laughs> <laughs> what about when your church puts on a um, a married couple's supper? Well, I remember back a number of years ago that they had Mother's Day and some dear gentleman had set up tables for the mother's. And so the fathers were taking care of the children over at other tables because the mothers were sitting at a special table that day. And they had roses mm-hmm. at each spot. And then somewhere along the line, they gave roses to each of the single ladies as well. And I think some of the single ladies would have been like, um, we'd rather you didn't. <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> Not a good time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so timing is a big part of it sometimes. I think so, because we do, just like anyone, we enjoy being recognized, but it feels like maybe at a wedding or at Mother's Day or times when 
they are the ones being recognized, it feels like that you suddenly are turning around saying, oh, yeah, you're here, too. Um, Would you like a rose? Yeah. Right. That's probably not the appropriate time. It would be better if you're, oh, you know, maybe remember the single person's birthday. Find days, milestones in their lives and remember them. Maybe they have a parent or a sibling or someone that passed away to be able to remember those dates and be there for them and say, hey, this is a difficult day for you. Would you like to come over for a while or can we go do something? That sort of thing. Just like you would with any other friend. Yeah, that makes sense. They're they're still single people are people too. Yeah. And I think sometimes (laughs) married folks are like, well, we don't know how to reach out to them. Well, just forget that they're single. Just look at them as a person. Look at them as a child of God, someone that, Mm. that you can interact with. Find things that they enjoy and that you enjoy and and talk about them. And if they don't overlap, we'll share back and forth. Tell about your day and they can tell about you, theirs. And you get to know each other and become friends on a different level, totally. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you said for, to try to forget about that that they are single? Do you feel like some people maybe struggle with that more and like it? It's just always in the conversation. It it always comes up in every conversation somehow that you are single. I think in some, with some people, it is definitely more of a problem than it has been in my experience. I don't feel like I've gotten it thrown in my face a whole lot, but maybe it's just the communities I live in. Mm. But I have various friends that would say, you know, they talk to a couple single friends after church and, it's hard for them to get into conversations with church ladies. They don't know where to go, what to say in the conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's probably two-sided. Yeah. I was thinking about a friend of mine. Um, well, they were a good bit older. They're a good bit older than I am, but their husband passed away. And they said what was probably the most difficult part of of those first years after after she became a widow was just that everyone had to remind her all the time that she was a widow and and she's like I already I already know this but I'm still me like I I was me be- before my husband passed away and I am me after he's passed away and yes life is a lot different but you know, it's you don't have to say good morning. Oh, you're a widow, and then now we can have a conversation. Like we can just say good morning and and talk about the flowers or whatever, just like we did mm-hmm. before. You don't have to point out every single mm-hmm. time that this is what my my life is. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's completely different. No, I, th- I think it's along the same lines that that people are so afraid that that this is something that's on your mind that they need to make sure they mention it before they can go on. Right. And maybe they don't mention it just like <laughs> bold faced, but more like, well, I can't even think of a, a scenario right now, but I know that there are times when it gets sort of thrown into the conversation sideways. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, if, especially if you're at a, at a, at a place or doing something where where it is mostly married people, that it can easily be where they feel like they have to to bring it up, that they notice that 
that you're single or that you're by yourself before they can go on and just mix. Mm-hmm. But I have some friends the other way around too. Like I went to, uh, I wanted to take some pictures of some of my friends that were having a, a special supper as marrieds. And I, I was out as I was shooting pictures, some of them got up to get food and they were talking to me and joking around and, and mentioning something about the way the tables were set up. It just so happened that all the men with beards were at one table and all the men without beards were sitting at the other row of tables. <laughs> and we were kind of joking about how it just so happened. <laughs> and, yeah, I, f- I felt very, very free and, and happy to to mingle. And then there can be um, the little side glance or someone that's that you can tell that they're like, Oh dear, you really belong here with us, but, but, but you can't because, well, you know, that sort of attitude when they're trying to be nice and yet it comes across the other way inside for some reason. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's really their fault either. One thing I thought about throughout this whole thing is like, how do you, not always, but it seems like the majority of singles, or at least a lot of the ones that seem to struggle more with it, maybe. Maybe this is a blanket statement that isn't true. Tend to be ladies. And so, you know, who are they going to be relating to? What's going to be relating to other single ladies in their community and also married ladies? Well, oftentimes what we connect on is whatever, uh, like things that are shared, like shared experiences. That's often what we connect Mm -hmm. with. So you have the farmers over on the one side talking about the farming and you have all the nerds over here talking about the latest iPhone or something. And you can, you can kind of guess maybe which, which side I'm on. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> right. Look, a lot of the married ladies where they're in and what is important to them at that moment is children. They're, they're raising children. They're talking with each other about, Oh, your child's colicky. Oh, well, I did this when mine was and it helped. And that's just kind of what they're in a sense obsessed about with good reason that's that's good and so they connect with that but then how do the singles like how can they relate to a conversation about that like like if you imagine four or five ladies standing in a circle all holding toddlers and there's one single lady there like how is she going to be involved in that conversation i'm not sure how exactly so yeah what i'm saying i guess is that it might take some some work by both the singles and the married ladies to find that common connection, that common experience that they both have, whatever it is. Yeah, it's going to maybe take some work, but I think that could be a way to to make that connection that is oftentimes not quite so easy to make. But don't they say that single ladies have the the best child training <laughs> advice? Well, just think of all of the the ladies we've watched raise their children. You know, by after watching 10 or 15, 20 of your friends raise their children, you ought to have a little sense of of what works and what doesn't. <laughs> right. <you? laughs> right. <laughs> I was blessed with a, a brother who had so I had lived with them for a few years. And um, I'm not sure if the, the boys thought it was so wonderful, but the parents, they were like, well, you live here too, and you're an adult. So if you see them jumping on the couch, we don't mind if you give them a little, just a phrase, you know, say, I don't think daddy wants you to jump on the couch. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were interactive in that, and not all parents are that way. Some parents simply are like, you keep your hands and voice <laughs> and admonitions away from my children. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I was thinking of something else. It's not just singles that um, can feel like they're outside of the box. There's also the fact, like you mentioned, widow ladies or or widow men that no longer fit into their groups. And there's also um, young women that maybe don't have children for three or four years. And all of the ladies that had gotten married over the same time that they did are now holding children. What are some of the ways that that the ladies can discuss something maybe besides children every now and then to draw this other person in mm-hmm, right. could be, a, you know, a mom without children as well as a single person. As far as what can we do as Christian people to draw in the person that is, is not exactly in the same stage in life that we are, it feels like that's, that's part of our calling mm-hmm. from God. Mm-hmm, right. And it's not just the married person. I mean, like the single person has to reach out outside of their box. And I mean, there's many a time I've had an interesting discussion on, on, um, while sitting there with my friends and they're discussing something to do with children, the best way of breastfeeding or whatever. I mean, there's always something that is interesting to me. Maybe it's because I've never been a nurse, but any of the discussions that my single nurses even sitting around in circles with single friends, quite a few of them are nurses. They'll go off on a long tangent. Mm -hmm. I enjoy just hearing what other people have to say and listening in on their conversations. And so that's an art that a single person has to cultivate, I think, as well, to simply just integrate into whatever the conversation is and, and be interested in what other people's lives have. It doesn't have to revolve around me. Sure. You mentioned earlier something about not being recognized at at weddings and the timing of that. And that made me put in a, a question here in the notes that I had thrown at you earlier, Naoma, which was <laughs> maybe this is your chance to uh, to tell preachers what you wish they would preach about <laughs> when it comes to this, <laughs> the singles in their church. Well, I don't really think that a sermon is a real appropriate time to talk about singles. It feels to me like a wedding sermon is uh, about a wedding. Mm -hmm. And I would feel much more comfortable if I was simply sitting there listening to how God has put two people together and what his plan is for their lives and leave it at that. The whole thing of saying anything at all about singles and you never know when your time is going to come yeah, I don't really feel that that's beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Are there some other topics like that 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 preachers stumble around besides a marriage sermon? I can think of a good scenario, but I wish I could remember what all he said. There was a man that came to preach at a certain church, and he preached on family that weekend. And the one sermon that he preached, he basically preached to the singles. Mm-hmm. And he had many, many helpful things to say. And just the way he integrated God and and the singles and their station in life and 
and the way he handled it was just beautiful. I remember listening to the sermon and thinking, wow, it was one of the preachers from Faith Mission, I believe. Yeah, I wish I could give a good example as to what he did say. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's that idea of he didn't he didn't like lump you on at the end. Like, here's a Father's Day sermon. Hey, last last Sunday yes. was Father's Day, and some of you men in the congregation are single too, and you exist, and so we're going mm-hmm. to acknowledge that. <laughs> yes, and you know if you keep on searching out God's will, you may. The Lord willing, he will find someone for you and you'll, well, they wouldn't say it quite like this. You'll also get to this wonderful state of marriage. Right. That's facetious, but. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think, like I said before, it's more the the tone of voice and, and maybe the fact that they don't know how to handle it makes me nervous. If it's someone that's just (laughs) maybe has has singles in their family and is used to interacting with them. I mean, they can just come across in a way that we know that we're just humans, just like everybody else, just in a different spot in life. (laughs) So don't, don't, don't pity the single people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I guess I should have said that. Definitely feeling like somebody's looking at you with empathy or pity is not really what we want. Um, We're doing lots of interesting things in life for the most part. And <laughs> we have, we do have family, most of us that, that loves us and cares for us. And we have friends and we have a job. It's not like we're lacking necessarily. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, it is nice when someone can just reach out to you where you are and in your spot. And, and if they're just your friend, and discussing normal things in life and you get to have a place where you can actually be on a, on a, a deep friendship basis with someone that's not in the same spot in life you are, then those things come out automatically. It's not the forced, maybe that's the word. It's not forced. And so therefore it doesn't feel like sympathy. Yeah. So you talked about some ways that preachers shouldn't preach to singles. Is there any way they should preach to singles or should they just not preach to singles at all? (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it's okay um, if they include them into the pattern. I just don't know if there's a real good way to to summarize what they should say. I think maybe it has it's more has to do with the heart of the preacher. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that it's a wrong thing to bring up. Yeah. But maybe the whole thing of not saying your turn is going to come. Yeah. It's more like God has you where you are. Be a blessing as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Bloom where you're planted. That makes sense. Yeah, in other words, don't don't necessarily act like marriage is the ultimate state of yes personhood. Um, it is a state, and God can very much use married people, but God can use people in other areas as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. The whole thing of, of being worthwhile and worthy as you are, very many people have been used by God, of God, in their single state and maybe even more so mm-hmm. and to be able to recognize that and not push and try to make it feel like they're just waiting. They're sitting there waiting for something to happen, but that they are as God wants them to be at the moment. And if, if another state um, is theirs in the future, well, that's up to God. Yeah. But focus on who they are in God now. Yeah. Okay. Preachers, there you go. You have a, you have a sermon idea. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me think about some of my friends who 
who are married but don't have children and would have liked to or would would still like to have children and I've heard from some of them how how painful it is to hear some messages about family or children where you you get the sense that the preacher knows that I'm here in the audience he knows I don't have children and he is not sure what to do with this idea that children are a blessing and so he has to acknowledge me and he says something well-meaning but hurtful along the lines of you know if kind of this thing of if you if you pray hard enough or maybe if you seek God's will then God will bless you eventually with children sort of thing mm-hmm. and maybe that will be the case maybe it won't but i think what i gathered from from that friend is that yes children are a blessing but we folks without children also get blessings from God. It's not like we're exempt from all blessings of God just because <laughs> we don't have this one. And so right. this this can be a blessing even if we don't have it, but we have other blessings and it's and in a sense it's fine that God is blessing us in this way. Right. I think that's correct. Whether that be a single or a, a widow lady or God can turn any of the things that we look at as maybe negative into good, positive things, useful things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have have near the friendships that I have if I would have got married 30 years ago mm-hmm. or 20 or whatever. Uh, how do you, how do single ladies feel about men's meetings at church? <laughs> I'm thinking that perhaps it's different for different women. I know there's some that are just like, well, just let the men make the decisions and we'll just follow along. And there's other single ladies that would like to have a voice in some of the decisions, like whether there's going to be a gym built or not, because their money is going to go into it as well. And it seems like if the men's meetings are rather closed and exclusive, that it can totally exclude the single woman that is still paying into the... the, uh, Whatever the project is. Yeah, yeah, whatever the project Mm -hmm. is. And so I think it's nice if the church thinks about that and simply has a members meeting now and then and not always men's meetings or else has the the notes printed up and put into the single lady's mailbox so she can keep abreast of what's happening or if she has someone that she can call on afterwards and say, hey, which way did it swing in the men's meeting tonight? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And if she doesn't have, if the church realizes that there's not, if there's a a single person that's really interested in knowing what's happening and, and they're not getting um, included in any way that someone would make themselves available to to do that for her would be nice. Sure. Along the line of of single guys too, I know a few guys that are you know in their upper thirties like James was before he got married, and I think back to this whole thing of being well meaning. There's some people that jump in there and like well you know make a little bit of a joke out of it like why aren't you married yet you know it's up to you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is, but maybe it doesn't always work out the first time or second time. And the whole thing of, of them making jokes out of it, saying, well, we could set you up with so-and-so. And then 
behold, they never do anything. And it's more just like a joke than it is actually being helpful. Mm-hmm. So is it is it a good idea then to set our single friends up with someone? Well, within reason. Um, I think you should get the, the permission of the person mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to actually do anything overtly. I think if it's a young man, it's it's perfectly acceptable to to say, hey, have you noticed so-and-so? And, mm-hmm. you know, go by the feedback you get. The young man may say, yeah, but I don't think she's interested in me. And you can go from there in finding out. <laughs> sure. Because it sounds like he might be interested if she would be. Maybe your Maybe your wife could go ask her how she's feeling and... That would maybe give the guy the courage to go ask her if he knows that she might be interested. Right. But just saying, hey, I'm going to set you up on a double date or, hey, let's invite so-and-so for supper tonight together. No. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they come to your house for supper thinking they're going to be there having a good time. And here's this person that makes it uncomfortable. And don't think that's real helpful. And then the married couple is bustling about with wide eyes and and sparkles in your <laughs> yes, <like>. mm. <laughs> yeah. And maybe one or the other of the two are like, "Oh, get me out of here!" And yeah, it, <laughs> it's not real, not real conducive. <laughs> it feels to me like if you have two people in mind that you think might be interested in each other, that your prayers are probably more appreciated than your um, endeavors to help. Right. And then having said that, I'll say out of the other side of my mouth that if you are good friends with with the fella or the girl or both and can do something to to help out either side, not in front of each other, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's not a bad thing. Simply asking the young man what his intentions are, asking the young lady if she, you know, if there's any way, not any way you could help. More like I would think that more of the help should be on the the gentleman's side, but it just depends on the scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the lady can't do a lot. I mean, maybe she likes so-and-so, but what's she supposed to do about it? Unless the wife finds out that that a young lady is interested in a certain gentleman and she gets her husband to go speak to him. Now, that would be diff- That might work. But by and large, it's probably less is probably more. Yeah. Unless it's done in a very discreet way and with lots of prayer beforehand. And if I have a friend of mine, a guy friend of mine who is single and and I want him over to to hang out with the family, is it okay? Is it an okay thing that my wife also has a single friend of hers, a lady over at the at the same time? Or are those the sorts of things that should be a like we should think ahead in and just avoid that scenario for for them even if we're not even if we're not trying to set them up it's just the way that our evening is going or whatever i think it depends on your church group i mean like if the two single people are both known to each other and and um you've seen them together before at situations and they seem comfortable i wouldn't worry about saying anything but um your wife could say hey um, Sean's having so-and-so over for supper and we're having so-and-so over too. And you're more than welcome to come. We'd love to have you. Then she can just decide whether she wants to be there when he's there or not. Right. Right. Yeah. I see that. Keep it open and not no the, the subterfuge, if I'm saying that word right, 
is what can get kind of sticky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, Naoma, I am really grateful that you were able to make time for us and to have this conversation with us. I don't know if we did this conversation very well or not, but <laughs> but I enjoyed having it and hearing your thoughts. I really enjoyed talking to both of y'all and I don't know if I covered the, I mean, the single world is, is so wide with so many different spectrums of people. Um, some that feel like they're depressed and repressed and some that feel like they're free and happy and anywhere in between. And so mm-hmm. I'm probably not even covering it well enough myself with what the, the things I've said from my perspective and some of my friends' perspectives, but it was interesting to, to talk about it. And yeah, I hope I didn't step on anyone's toes because that wasn't the intention either. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really have lots of helps when it comes to being single. There was one book I'd read single and satisfied that I enjoyed by and large. It's more just to reach out and be a disciple for Jesus Maybe in your singleness, like Sean mentioned earlier, use your singleness for God, even though it's nice after eight hours of work to go home and kick up your feet in the recliner and maybe look at some things on your phone, read a book, read a magazine. Those free evenings, if you're not doing yard work for your dad or your mom or babysitting or going to church or Yeah, it feels like that one or two free evenings a week would be nice if I could spend it on myself, but maybe book one or two of those (laughs) now and then to go visit someone, the Iraqi family down the street, or um, yeah, simply have your hand open when it comes to your time so that you can help other people. I mean, that's what we're here for. 